Hello, this is Patrick, and it's time for Real Herbalism Radio. Real herbs, real life, real easy. Brought to you by thepracticalherbalist.com and sponsored by Mountain Rose Herbs, your source for high-quality, organic, bulk herbs, gourmet spices, loose-leaf teas, essential oils, herbal extracts, and natural body care ingredients. Visit them at mountainroseherbs.com. Midsummer is a few days away. Now's the time for harvesting St. John's wort. This sunny weed is well known for its muscle healing power, but its protective nature extends well beyond the muscular skeletal system. In today's show, we're talking about the how-tos of making and using medicine from this summer favorite. Now, here are your hosts, Candace Hunter and Sue Sierra Lupe. I'm Candace Hunter. And I'm Sue Sierra Lupe. And, and welcome, welcome to Real Herbalism Radio. Sue? You just got finished putting out a wonderful herbal folio on St. John's Wort. What was the name of that folio? Well, I am so glad that you asked. It is St. John's Wort, Antidepressant, and So Much More. That is awesome. And actually, I helped you with that, didn't just I? Just a touch. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. a little. The just, both of us. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was both of us, definitely. Yep. So where would you find said book? Oh, that is on Amazon. Yes, it's an that. awesome book on Amazon. It's a folio. So mm-hmm. now that we've gotten our pitch here out of the way and everyone mm-hmm. knows that we've written an absolutely spectacular herbal folio yep. on St. John's Wort cool. called so, St. John's Wort Antidepressant and so much more. It's full of recipes and information, specific information about St. John's Wort, its constituents, how to use it in a variety of different situations and I know you're just going to enjoy the heck out of it. Oh, yeah. So now we can get down to the fun stuff. Mm-hmm. It is the time for St. John's Wort. Right now. Yes, yep. right now. In fact, it's all full in bloom. The summer solstice is the traditional Saint or Midsummer's Eve, mm-hmm. which is coming up. And that's the traditionally you're supposed to pick it on the day of Midsummer's Eve so that you can have it for to put some around your uh, the doorways, door. uh-huh. and, yeah, your doors and around your windows and stuff for yeah. protection. And then it's also, I think, one of the herbs that you put in the fire before you jump over oh. it for the summer solstice. So you don't have the problem with evil spirits or angry yeah. ghosts, exactly, right? Angry yeah. ancestors. Yep, yep, yeah, exactly. I always thought that was, when I first started learning about St. John's Wort, that notion of uh, curing and fixing something from the past, you know, the ancestral yeah. issues by using St. John's Wort, which is also, of course, used for fixing traumas that show yeah. up as depression or anxiety. Yeah, yeah, it's a very protective very, herb. Have you been doing any picking of St. John's Wort yet? This year I have not. I've been hiding in the house because of the hay fever. Oh, yeah. And truth be told, I still have a goodly sum of St. John's Wort tincture and oil from last year. Mm -hmm. So I probably shouldn't pick more this year. I should probably use what I have first. Mm -hmm. Well, it's such a useful herb. It's hard to go buy it and not think, oh, i got to grab that. Mm -hmm. But, Mm -hmm. of course, now that we're on the wild crafting topic of it, when you're driving by and seeing it, that is exactly not the place to be picking it. Right. You want to stay away from the roadsides. Yes. St. John's Wort does what now? Well, it's really good at bioremediation. The The roots will take up some of the toxins from the soil, and they can do some, some minor, although it's not noted as a, a major bioremediator, but it will take up and transform some of the toxins in the soil. And you see it in places that have been injured, uh, vacant lots mm-hmm. or... 
Um, you see it in places where it's been deforested or the edges of fields. Of edges of fields, yeah. places where there's some damage. A lot of spots near roads where there's a lot of toxins, and it just it does splendidly at healing that land. And that's another reason to not pick it from those places because, in my mind, that plant is there not just for our pleasure, but because it's it's doing a job. It's helping out the environment that it's in, right. and you know everyone needs medicine, especially the earth. Yeah, definitely. And another reason, if if you know taking care of the earth isn't good enough for you mm-hmm. those toxins it picks up will end up some of them get transformed but some of them just end up in the plant itself in yes. the constituents of the plant which means that when you make your medicine with it you extract pesticides herbicides heavy metals right. lead lead yeah. other whatever other toxins it may have gathered yeah that'll end up in your medicine and that's not so good for you it is not but there are plenty of places where it's growing and i know a lot of other people will actually put it in their garden mm-hmm. I've, uh, I've been online and seen a lot of people say oh, I got some St. John's wort seed so I'm going to plant that which mm-hmm. I find a little humorous living in this area because it's so weedy and, and it everywhere and mm-hmm. I although I I always let people know you know having it in your backyard is nice you will have a far more potent St. John's wort if you get it from a place that isn't watered and pampered right. because although it'll be a larger plant that you'd have in your garden then that concentration of the um, hypericin and hyperfluorin and things like that will be less because the plant doesn't need to protect itself from the toxins. You're providing this nice little cushy spot right. for it. Yeah, yeah. The hypericin and hyperfluorin are the part of what makes the plant's oils and juices red. Yes, yeah. And the that's hy- the part that's good for depression. Yeah, and the hypericin, is, it's an alkaloid, and it's got a little nitrogen ring, and that is one of the few um, alkaloids that you can actually see. Most of the time, uh, an alkaloid will either be clear or it'll be mm-hmm. kind of a whitish color. Right. But with hypericin, you can actually see the color. It's right. pretty cool, that it's and like berberis and things like that. But if you, if you squish the leaf of that plant or squish the flower of the plant, it turns this beautiful little purplish red color. Right. And that's that's the that's beautiful what you're looking potent. For. Yeah. Yeah. So where are you finding when when we're going out and starting to look for St. John's Wort, where are we finding the best stuff? Mm. Best and safest. Yeah, well yeah, far away from the roads. No. At least twenty feet. At le- yeah. I I prefer if uh, if I can see my parked car then you're a little then too I'm close. a little too close. Yeah. Now, in areas like, let's say, Nebraska, where it's really flat. Oh, right. You know, there you're probably looking about. <laughs> yeah, then you're probably, you're probably looking about at least from the 50 yard line sure. to the goalpost. Yeah. You know, at least half a football field or so. Right. And looking okay. around, too, some people don't feel comfortable with picking things under a power line. Yep. Some people feel like that's not necessarily something St. John's Ward picks up on. And, and mm-hmm. I would suspect there's a lot more research that needs to be put into something like that. But yeah. there's a lot of evidence on the plants themselves. You'll see them getting a little more lush the farther away they get from the right. road. So th- just paying attention to the land itself, I think, is another good indicator. Now, would it a farm field or the edge of, a, let's say, a hay field or a Like corn an organic field? one? If it's organic, it's okay, but if it's not, if you're not sure that it is, we probably want to avoid it because they use a lot of pesticides in Mm -hmm. conventional farming, especially monoculture crops. Yeah, and herbicides and something like the Forestry Service, Mm -hmm. they bomb places trying to kill St. John's wort. Right, they do. It's considered a huge weed. It is. At least in this area, it's a huge weed. A lot of the stuff they're throwing at it is definitely very poisonous, and it also is not particularly effective. 
one of right. the more effective ways of, of controlling St. John's wort is the Klamath beetle. Right. That, Which you're going to get a lot of when you bring it home, aren't you? That's right. That's yeah. right. It was introduced into this California, Oregon, Idaho, Washington area. And the the little Klamath beetles also have that same kind of uh, purplish red color to mm-hmm. them. They're yep. so cute. The little Mary. teeny little, you can't see, I'm putting my fingers together yeah. real small. Yeah. But <laughs> they're just these tiny little beetles and they have that beautiful jewel color to it yeah and they're all over the klamath weed well klamath weed is another name for st john's St. Ward. John's, yeah and they're just you know chewing away at it and turning mm-hmm. the same color as that hyperacin yeah and if you squish them which you know i'm not all for squishing bugs and all but if you just happen to squish one you'll see that same color mm-hmm. so now we're bringing home our st john's ward and we want to make medicine from it mm-hmm. and you shook out all those little beetles first of course of right. course so what kind of medicine are we going to make i mean I mean, we know that St. John's Ward is really good for your muscles, mm-hmm. and people use it frequently to help get rid of muscle sprains and strains, to unknot, mm-hmm. release tension. And we also know it's good for depression and anxiety problems. Mild, mild to moderate, yeah. Yeah, and for the muscle stuff, usually people tend to use the oil because they'll massage it. Mm-hmm. And for depression and anxiety, they'll tend to use tincture. Right. Um, but there are other ways to use it for those two. And then also there's other things that it does. Yeah, it's good for nerve pain. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really good. You're, you have uh, your neurotransmitters. It helps positive sodium ion channel, which is in your neurotransmitters. And it helps you um, do transfer of things like dopamines and serotonin and then mm-hmm. the amino acid-based uh, neurotransmitter Chemicals like GABA would be the first one that comes into my mind. Right. Those are very, very helpful for treating depression and, and pain in general. And if you have a trauma, that positive sodium ion channel can be damaged. Right. So the St. John's wort actually helps heal and support right. that channel so that you can have all the things that are in your body that are working to keep you in a good mood and healthy, it it opens it up so that your body can help heal itself. Right. And it helps to ensure that you don't end up developing habit. Like for someone who hasn't had a trauma specifically, but who may be prone to depression, it helps your system to move more effectively and make better use of the serotonin and other chemicals that you have. And hopefully over a longer term, set in a positive pattern so that your body and your mind will be more likely to want to not be creating the chemicals of depression and instead creating the chemicals of happiness and right. you know, yep. contentment. That nice balance that we're all looking for. I just used St. John's Wort last night on my leg and on my husband's rib because he had a little bike accident. He His chain came off and he... He pitched over the top of his bicycle right oh. onto the road. Oh, you know, yeah. and and um, dislocated one of his floating ribs. Oh, lovely! Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, uh, I well, first of all, we treated it with the witch hazel, you know, mm-hmm. the anti-inflammatory, and um, your uh, uh, I can't even remember which one it was. Was it the trifecta or one of your the sprays? that you guys have the phoenix tears the phoenix tears yep. the phoenix tears we sprayed with that and that helped them a lot nice that's got a lot of witch hazel in it yes exactly yeah. which is oh n- number one so the mm-hmm. the bruising that he had from the accident was just a small yellowish spot on his leg where he actually oh, hit that's not bad at I know, all i know i know i know it's, you, it's you, amazing yeah yeah good old herbs and then mm-hmm. after that we've been hitting them with the st john's wart all and and really trying to gently just 
coat his ribs because that's yeah. you know it's it's it needs to kind of go back into spot. But it really hurts him when he laughs. Then it hurts. Oh, and only when he laughs. I know. Oh, I know. So I try to say fellow. depressing things. No, I don't. No, I, I no. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> no. Think of dead puppies. No, just kidding. Don't anybody. No, like, that's so bad. You're horrible. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, we are we are animal rights activists, by the way. If anybody uh-huh. knows. Um, but uh, yeah, when we're not talking you never about dead know. puppies, you never know how people are going to react to things. We he and I have a really good sense of humor, and so we put a lot of that on him and I put it on my leg because I was standing up way too long on a concrete floor and I started oh, getting yeah. that burning feeling in oh, the back of my yeah. leg. Yeah. So the, you know, some varicosities being a 50 year old woman, that's going to happen and rubbed that in and that felt real good and mm-hmm. then put a little bit of St. John's wort with, uh, it's a spray that I made with mm-hmm. just the tincture and oh, I put nice. some lavender essential oil in that one. Nice. And then when I got up in the morning, I sprayed it, sprayed that area with it, mm-hmm. which is kind of a cheater way of doing it. But. <laughs> hey, it works. Oh, yeah, exactly. It, it works. Really and it's not oily, which is right. kind of nice. Right. Yeah, because yeah. I was just putting on my tights. So. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that's the antispasmodic um, properties of St. John's work, wort in action, or at least partially. Yeah, and the nerve vines. And it's the nerve really vines. good for. Yep. Um, when I was pregnant with, oh, which one of those kids was it? <laughs> I think it was the, yeah, it was my youngest um, because he was a twin. Mm-hmm. So that birth was really challenging and it totally torqued my back. I had sciatic oh, pain. Gosh, horrible. Yeah. Like I was putting my hands on a stool and just kind of slowly moving my way around the stool in a circle oh, because it sad. just hurt to do anything else. It, right. And, you know, I'd stand up and I felt like I was going to black out and, and the pain oh. was severe. And I'm not one for whining you're not or a wuss. fussing. I, no, no, you're not. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Uh, bullet strong. And the my midwife said St. John's wort oil. That's what you need in St. John's wort tincture. And so I took right. both of those. And the, of course, the the oil I took topically. And the tincture tasted delicious to me. Oh, I know. I know. Yeah, right? but it was exactly what you needed. It was exactly what I needed, yeah. and it worked really fast within 24 hours. Nice. Isn't it amazing how when it's the herb you need, it does. It, it always does. It smells and tastes like the best thing on earth. Yeah. And the it next week, does. I took another dropper of that tincture in the morning. Mm-hmm. I felt like I just had a mouthful of blood. It was horrible. Oh, yeah. It's a terrible taste. Ugh. It's really, but... I did not like it But when it you need all. it, it's divine. Oh, yeah. oh it, was, it was perfect. It was exactly what I needed. Yeah. So, yeah, that stuff works wonders. For depression, we use it a bit in the clinic, but mostly it combined with other things because yeah. we don't see a lot of mild depression we right. see a lot yeah. of really heavy depression so when we work with depression at our house we get you know hormonal depression you know mm-hmm. my son's adolescent and for the past few years since puberty just sort of kind of started to kick his butt every now and then he'll run into depression problems where he'll notice that he's down and not feeling better in between so that's when he'll pull out the saint john's wort tincture and he, that just helps. Yeah. Him. Yeah. Yeah. He usually takes that and then he'll usually make up a flower essence mm-hmm. batch, whatever formula seems right to him at the time. And it usually does the job. Good for him. Yeah. Yeah. Good for everybody. We yeah. use it a lot for people with just the pain, but for depression, it seems like we're combining it with particularis or um, it, it doesn't really combine very well with, with lemon balm. I think mimosa mm-hmm. and lemon balm are a better combination. Sure. But for people that they're reporting their depression is caused by a trauma, and yeah. we are also combining it with um, some of the other 
As I say, that kind of depression, they might be well off with some uh, wild lettuce to go with. Wild um, lettuce, California poppy. Yeah. A lot of times we're putting those two together. And because 40% of the population we serve are unhoused, they're sleeping on the ground. Right. So they have a lot of of inflammation and pain in their body. Turmeric is another nice combination with St. John's wort, I have found. So one of the things we haven't talked about yet is that we've we figured out that we're going to use our St. John's wort for depression, for muscle spasms. We haven't really talked about it, but you can choose to use it for antibiotics. It's good at healing MRSA. Mm-hmm. It's good for HIV, um, flu, herpes, polio. I mean, it's amazing how many antivirals it can handle. And it can also be anti, it's used as an antifungal. Mm-hmm. So we haven't really talked a lot about that, but those are out there. So you right. know that that's what you're going to do. We can do an oil. We can do a tincture. What are some other options we can do with our medicine here? Um, St. John's wort is nice for um, combining with uh, witch hazel as a minstrum. So you can do it as a liniment? Yeah, a liniment, definitely. And then one other thing that I have been enjoying is I've been making iced uh, botanical waters. I'm sure there's another there's name for it. There's probably a really it. terrific spa name uh, for it, I but these would know. be the waters where you take just plain, good, clear water, yep. add some ice cubes or ice to it to cool it down, and then you're putting in herbs or you're putting in plants. You did mm-hmm. one Fruit. recently where mm-hmm. we had some orange and some mint in it. It was yep. really tasty. It's a very just, light. Just sliced up the orange and, and smushed it just a little bit, threw it in the water, Got some mint from the garden, rinsed it, crushed the leaves a little bit in my fingers, and threw that in, and boy, did that invigorate. That was good. So, so I, with St. John's Ward, if you're doing that, you could do it straight from fresh, but you could also turn it into your herbal ice cubes, couldn't correct. you? Correct. Yeah, I have a couple a couple of uh, uh, Ziploc bags in my freezer, and it's just some pieces of St. John's Ward that I chopped up when last year, and then threw them in a Ziploc and put some water in it to cover it and mm-hmm. then sealed it up and threw it in the freezer. And, and as things have been kind of transpiring this week, I'll throw one of them in as if it's an herbal ice cube itself. Sure. And makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And so it's, it's cooling down the thing that I'm drinking as well as transferring. Yeah. You'll see it. It's nice. so cool because as it starts to melt, that, that reddish color uh-huh. begins to just slowly kind of cloud and oh, color the, the drink. Yeah, it sounds really wonderful. Yeah. It sounds very soothing, yeah. soul-soothing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yep. So I would love to get into how to make the medicine, but we're going to run out of time. Right, that, and we that, don't need to because that could that's be a whole down. Other, exactly, it could be a whole other hour. So mm-hmm. you want to check out the herbal folio, which is called? Which is called St. John's Wort, antidepressants, and a whole lot more. And so much more. And so God, much more. So, ah, we think. agonized over that title, I'm so don't you remember? Sorry. So, so anyway, All right. check well, out the herbal folio. Mm-hmm. And for more information, links, and resources that we mention on this program, check out our show notes on realherbalismradio.com. You can find recipes, how to's, and more detailed information on the topics that we discussed on thepracticalherbalist.com, where you can also find a link to our herbal folio, St. John's Wort, antidepressant, and so much more. Now it's time for herbalism and homesteading news. Today we're going to talk about an Oregon Live story that was published on June 11th of this year, 2015. 
Um, the article is entitled, A Tainted High, Lax State Rules, Inconsistent Lab Practices, and in- Inaccurate Test Results Put Pesticide-Laced Pot on Dispensary Shelves. Um, the author is Noelle Crombie. So, Sue, the reason I wanted to talk about this one today is that, as we all well know, we're in the process of working on the Cannabis Herbal Folio on Advanced Herbal Medicine. It's Mm -hmm. the first volume in our series. Yep. And And it's a big folio. It is a big folio. And one of the (laughs) things that have been raised in some of the studies and some of the um, resources that we've been looking at, one of the things they've been concerned about is the whole question of testing for pesticides and herbicides. Mm -hmm. Something you and I have tossed back and forth is the growing methods that have evolved over the past 50 years for growing cannabis, especially the illegal grows that have been happening, and how much pesticides and herbicides and other chemicals. And fertilizers. And fertilizers. Into those yes, little how many plants. things they're putting on there. So this came up, and you found this article, and I'd like you to kind of describe what's going on here in Oregon, and then we can talk maybe about what that means in the broader context. Right. Well, right now we're really at the, at the crux of... Uh, the changes. We're, they're still writing laws, they're still writing regulations, and I suspect that this time next year everything will be completely different. But right. what Oregon Live did, the Oregonian, this is the Portland, or Portland Oregon-based paper, they picked 10 uh, samples from a medicinal marijuana clinic, and they tested them for pesticides. And some of these have even said that they were organic. And what they found was that only two of them were pesticide-free. Right. Two out of the ten. That's not good. And I believe uh, four of them were so laden, they they used the word soaked in pesticides, that they weren't even safe for consumption. Yeah, and they included cancer, known cancer-causing mm-hmm. agents. Yeah, I carcinogenic, mean, hardcore carcinogenic. Scary, because these things are right now being distributed as medicinal medicine as medicinal herbs or medicinal preparations for people who are having serious cancer, illness serious illness yeah, like leukemia cancer. and yeah, yeah so and just sell can, them yeah. something that's full of carcinogens when they're trying to tre- treat their own cancer is outrageous right right and for me i find this scary because i mean sure oregon right now doesn't have a lot of clear strong laws and guidelines mm-hmm. on how testing should be done, what kind of lab equipment there is, what levels are safe or not safe. We don't we don't have that yet. Yeah. Some areas do have that, but I personally have to say that I question if even the smallest iota of pesticide is in there if that's safe. Because mm-hmm. we're talking about using cannabis for curing things that are pretty, you know, states of pretty serious disease. Yes. And we're also talking about concentrated uh, cannabis. It's right. not just, here's something I grew, smoke it. It's something that they've taken, they put through a process and concentrated it. So it's got right. a, a certain amount of THC or CBD or, or whatever they're, they're, they're trying for. It's hyper-concentrated, and that means that the pesticides are concentrated too. And I think that's where some of, like Dutch Treat was one of the ones that they were talking about that was had some grievous errors. Yeah, when they're talking about concentrates that they're making, they're talking about like hash or keef or hash mm-hmm. oil cannabis oils, mm-hmm. cannabis tinctures, stuff that no longer looks like the bud. Right. Yeah, you're not putting this in a pipe. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and I, I, I personally think that if a bud is going to produce hash oil that has that level of pesticides, the bud was also tainted, in my opinion. Mm. 
some of the things that they said in this article is that one one of the growers, I believe it was, or one of the the groups said, "Oh, well, we had we had it tested according to Oregon law when it was in its bud and leaf stage." Mm-hmm. And then we made the concentrate, and it passed when it was in its bud and leaf stage. Right, and they're they're testing just the flower itself. They didn't right. even test the leaf. Right, and you know, like I said, I think that if it has even a molecule of pesticide, that's wrong. That right. I, w- I don't want that in my body. And taking that molecule and then concentrating it because you're right. taking a whole bunch more, you you've got yeah. a, you've got a health risk. Right. And for selling it as medicine, you know, we just we just finished recording something about St. John's wort, saying please. Do do not collect from the road. There's toxins there. Right. Why wouldn't that apply to to uh, marijuana and cannabis? Yeah, There's I mean no it's reason. just it's just smart herbal medicine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it gives me some concern. I love that we're regulating a little bit more. I love that that it's legal and that people are researching and finding all the wonders that these yeah. plants have to hold that even our mythology doesn't even touch. Right. You know, we, we need to explore the world that we're in, and and, yeah. and I I adore that. But some of the stuff we're finding out just isn't pleasant, and it's an eye opener for a lot of people. There's plenty of folks that want to say, "Oh, this plant is going to save the world." And frankly, I would love our world to be so simple that one plant could do that. <laughs> right? That's simply not the <laughs> world like I work. live in. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, I think for me, one of the frustrations I have with the way the law is written in Oregon is mm-hmm. that first of all, we don't have clarity on how the testing and all that should be done. So if you go to a dispensary on July 1st when it's legal as a mm-hmm. recreational user even, I if I walk in there, there's no guarantee that the bud I'm picking up is truly organic. Even if it says organic, even if they have paperwork, that was one of the things that came up in this watchdog report from the Oregonian is that they several of these preparations had paperwork showing they'd been tested. Right. And saying they were organic. Right. And so, you know, there's no way yeah, to know. But you can't organically certify marijuana. It doesn't, the the organ tilth doesn't cover marijuana right, as a right. crop. Yet, it could in the future. It could. And frankly, they, they, some of those papers, they went back to the lab that said that it was stated on there, had mm-hmm. certified this as pesticide free. And the, the lab the said, I, I never tested this. Right. This is not one of our batch numbers. Right. So we don't paper. know. We have no idea where the failure actually ended up being. But right. there's a failure somewhere in that system. So that's a frustration Part for me. Part of it is there's a lot of money in there. So there's impetus and, and fewer eyes watching it right. for fraud. Well, and we do have lax laws right now. We don't right. have a lot of stringent guidelines even on what type of equipment needs to be used to do the testing Mm -hmm. i mean some labs have really high-tech advanced really good solid chemical testing capacities and some labs just don't yeah and both both you know the ones that do and the ones that don't can do the same test and make the same certifications they're testing for four primary things they're not testing for these herbicides they're not testing for the pesticides or the fertilizer residue they're not doing any of that stuff and this one didn't even test for fertilizer residue right right so that's i mean that's one area where our we need to tighten our laws yep it needs to be oregon tilth certified right need to and they're very Mm -hmm. tight you know they're a world leader a world leader oregon tilth thank you oregon yes but yeah we got it and then i think the point you're coming to is Mm -hmm. grow it yourself and do it responsibly yes i mean if i felt that if I had a disease and I wanted to make sure that I was getting 100% grown, 100% organically grown, safe to use, potent cannabis, mm-hmm. I'd want to grow it myself and I'd want to make the preparations myself. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd want to make my own hash oil or my own tincture or my own 
you know, cannabis glycerate, sure. whatever it is I need so that I can take the medicine in in a way that works for me. And if that was uh, allowed by law in the state of Oregon, you certainly could. Right. However, <laughs> that's an area where our laws are far too tight. I yep. think it's ridiculous that in Oregon, the only preparation you're allowed to make with cannabis is a glycerate preparation. The other option is to smoke or vaporize it. Yep. You're not even allowed to make tea from fresh leaf of cannabis, which doesn't necessarily even have much of a psychoactive component yeah. because in that you'll you'll convert some of the THC acid, but not all of it, into THC, which is the psychoactive version of that when you make a tea, but you're, most of it won't be. So a tea is really a fairly benign medicine. Mm-hmm. We're not even allowed to make that. But they're sick and the screws oh. on that, and they're not looking at what the real problem is, which is poisons on medicine. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything to say at all, Patrick? We well, really uh, let you get I in. Mean, that could be the stopping point right there. <laughs> yeah. I think. We could. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. I there was no chance of me saying. I'm sorry. Word. Sorry. You guys were just going. But there. you did cover the couple things that I was that I was going to say, which was you know that Colorado and Washington are are legally bound on what pesticides they can use. They're not in Oregon. Mm-hmm. That's right. not part of the law. So yeah, there's no control over that. And you briefly touched on the the thing with basically right now it's it's the wild west in Oregon. Yeah, right. There's thousands of dispensaries. It seems like anyway, every other corner's got one, and there are, a lot of them are going to be legitimate and they're going to last and they're going to be here in six months. And half of these are not going to be here. Yeah, right. And you people right. are not stupid. They when they realize what product they're getting from them, they'll not get it from them. Right. You know? Right, but the dispensaries aren't the ones who are making the medicine. No, I they're just they're just the retailers. Out, right. right, but when the retailers have to close up shop because people aren't buying their product because it sucks, then right. yeah, it's, we'll probably you know. end up finding that there's a handful of growers and medicine makers that are the ones that everybody wants. People, I, people yeah. will there'll be a lot of money will be made instantly in the next six months by certain people that have set this up, but I don't think they're long term. Right. I know a lot of people that are starting up their own little grows. Oh sure, and they don't mm-hmm. know what they're doing no why not right right I, mean, I, I had some people come to me and say so you know a lot about plants if you were going to grow this oh oh no we are not having that conversation <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> herbalism 101 this is part of the show where sue and candace answer a listener question or teach you about an herbal definition or term covering basic to advanced herbal knowledge if you would like the dirt on herbs herbalism or anything else related you can send your question using our simple contact form at realherbalismradio.com slash herbalism101. If we choose your question for the show, we will send you a free PDF ebook, Natural Nutrition by The Practical Herbalist, currently available for $4.99 at The Practical Herbalist store. Here's Candace and Sue to discuss this show's Herbalism 101 topic. This episode's question is from Marine C. Marine asks, is cinnamon really bad for your liver? Sue? Well, that is another awesome question. And there has been a lot of stuff on the media about cinnamon being damaging to the liver. But truly, you would have to take a lot of it to cause some damage. And the amount that they say you want no more than six grams per day, which it's hard to estimate how much that is, but just figure that's about one and a fourth teaspoon per day. So is cinnamon really bad for your liver? So cinnamon from cassia, you should not have more than six grams per day, which is one no more than one and a fourth teaspoons a day. Of ground, yeah. Of ground, yeah. And 
that's because there is a benzopyrrhine in it that is also found in blood thinners like warfarin. And some people will react very strongly to right. that. Clearly, you know, people react differently to different kinds of things. But most of the powder that we have is Cylon. If you get it in a little spice container, right. that's the Cylon, and that doesn't that has trace amounts, right? very trace amounts. So the answer to that question is it, is it depends. It depends. <laughs> yeah. depends on is it cassia, then you need to watch it. Right. And if it's not cassia, then I wouldn't worry too much about it. Right. And if it is cassia, listen to your body. Thank you for listening to Real Herbalism Radio. Your hosts have been Candace Hunter and Sue Sierra Lupe. To find more information and recipes from today's show or to leave a comment or suggestion, visit us online at realherbalismradio.com. If you're feeling social, you can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thepracticalherbalist. Don't forget to look up our ebooks and herbal folios at Amazon.com. Use the search terms Practical Herbalist. This show has been sponsored by Mountain Rose Herbs, purveyors of high-quality organic bulk herbs, gourmet spices, loose-leaf teas, essential oils, herbal extracts, and natural body care ingredients. You can visit them at MountainRoseHerbs.com. If you'd like to sponsor Real Herbalism Radio, just contact us through our website at RealHerbalismRadio.com slash contact. Until next time, this is Patrick with Real Herbalism Radio and The Practical Herbalist.